And welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. It is show number 118, and thank you so much for tuning in today. We are live on Facebook and certainly uh, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. We're also on Voice and Radio Canada and uh, going on to iTunes as soon as the broadcast is over. So thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. Uh, I am Andrew Murata, host of the program. I am at Andrew Murata 21. Uh, I want to take a moment to uh, recognize our sponsor for today's program, and it is the Education and Leadership Journal. Let me put this. I'm working on this new format here on Be Live. So there it is. It's the Education uh, and uh, the Leadership Publishing Team, and uh, my friend Dan Spanauer uh, uh, writes this journal, and it's great. This is the uh, February edition. You get a paper copy each month as well as an electronic version. And just, you know, look at this. Look at this. How many pages there are. There's stories. There's motivational things. There's things from coaches. Um, it's just fantastic. Right. And there's always like a fun story on the back as well. Uh, Dan will give us a, a discount and uh, you could go on to the leadership publishing team. Here's that information right there. And punch in the code Murata20. You'll get a 20% discount. So, um, I wanted to share that and certainly thank you to Dan for sponsoring the program. And I had a, a change of course here. I have an opening statement. We are going to meet uh, Marty Gagan here in a moment. Marty is a high school principal, uh, in, not a high school principal, an elementary principal in New England uh, and is very active in the Massachusetts Administrators Association and certainly going to talk a little bit about the work he's doing there as well as uh, he leads the MSAA chat. And uh, I'm fortunate to be part of that. Uh, he's just doing a lot of cool things in education and really he's got a great attitude. He's got great hair. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, we're going to meet Marty in a moment. So I had an opening uh, segment ready to talk about. And I, I really I wanted to, to switch. Um, I'm working with some newer principals and uh, I'm mentoring them. And uh, our last session is coming up here soon. And I... Um, I was thinking, like, what do you do in the last session with people you're mentoring? What are some things that can leave an impact? So I really want to have some reflection exercises. So I wanted to ask those questions to you today, and then certainly we'll run uh, some of those by Marty when we get a chance to talk to him. But when I took the seven habits for highly success, uh, effective people, they asked the question, right? If you didn't have any time constraints, if you didn't have any money constraints, if you didn't have any family obligations, you're like, what would you do with your time, right? Like, what would you want to do, right, if you had just had the opportunity to do that? And so I'm going to ask those educators that. What would they do, right? If you didn't have to do X, if you didn't have to do Y, if you didn't have mandates, if you didn't have to do something, you would have to do something, you know, what would, it, what would you do? Where would you want to spend your time? And what do you think you should be doing? And then how can you do those things, right? The second question, what about your health, right? If you didn't have any of those constraints, if you didn't have anybody tugging at you, if money wasn't an issue, what would you do for your health? Would you work out all day? Would you have catered meals? Like, what would you do, right? And then how could we do some more of those things for our health? And the last one, if I, if they were to get a blank check, right? So a big uh, um, famous donor would come in with a, a rich donor. 
you know, what would you do if someone offered you a blank check and said, hey, uh, tell me what you're going to do with this money for the betterment of your school and your students? What would you do to that? Because I actually had that happen. I did have a, a Hall of Famer from my school uh, uh, come and do that. And uh, it was cool to be able to spend the money where I felt was best. So um, if you're if you're watching live, uh, please leave Marty and I a question and let's bring Marty in. And here he's coming now. Here he is, Marty Gagan. Welcome to uh, Education Leadership VR. Welcome. Thanks for having me. There's, there's the hair live in the flesh there. It, it is here. It is gray. It is definitely here, though. But it's looking good. Marty, Thank you. Uh, if, I, if you had to pick one of those questions to get us started, right, if you had, you know, no time constraints, if you had no time constraints or money constraints with your health or the blank check, which one, which one of those questions you want to answer and what would you do? Um, I, I think that the time constraints with, with your health, uh, this past weekend, I, I went to a brunch that's put on by the Jimmy fund. And, uh, I, for the last 18 years have walked the full marathon route for the Dana Farber Jimmy fund walk for a buddy of mine who taught next to me at Natick High School and has been the assistant principal ever since. And he's a cancer survivor. And uh, it really is an emotional day when you're at the at the Jimmy Fund brunch and they get these speakers. And this first speaker was uh, a young man who survived cancer. There was a doctor who is uh, just won the Nobel Nobel Prize, and he was talking about his wife who died of cancer and he mm. couldn't save her. And it really was just touching. And I have a couple of friends that were just diagnosed themselves. So it was one of those emotional days to really put everything in perspective of, uh, of our lives and, and, and how we are doing. And uh, it just really kind of touches, cancer touches us all. And uh, it's one of those things where you, it sneaks up on you, especially my two friends that just got diagnosed. Yeah. So it's important that we do focus on our health and, and take care of ourselves. Uh, you know, as you certainly know, it can be a stressful job. But Marty, let's uh, for our watching audience and listening audience, why don't you give a, an introduction of yourself? Sure. Um, I'm the principal here at the Henry A. Yale Elementary School. It's a grade four or five building with only 400 kids. It's a it's I'm living the dream here with uh, so few students. Uh, it, it's just amazing. I can get into every single classroom almost every day. I get to know all the kids' names and know who they are. It, it's really been amazing. I was a middle school principal prior to that for for 11 years, 12 years. And then uh, prior to that, I was a high school assistant principal and a high school English teacher. And so I've gone... Started high school, going to middle school. Now I'm in elementary school. Who knows? Maybe I'll be a preschool uh, principal before <laughs> through. Uh, but I, I just love it, and uh, it really is fun. I, I I respect so much those that are in secondary ed, as high school like yourself, or middle school, because as the kids get bigger, the issues get bigger, and the problems get bigger, and your and the political nature of your job is definitely bigger. I definitely have the parents that are worried about their kids before they get to middle school. But for the most part, it, it, it really is a dream come true being here and being with these kids. 
Cool. And I know you've been there a couple of years now. Marty, What, are, in terms of your leadership, what are some things that you're doing differently with the level that you're at? You were at uh, high school and middle school working with younger kids in a different setting. What, what are some changes that you uh, have adapted? Well, for me, it was getting to know it, uh, that I definitely had the experience as a principal, but uh, getting to know the elementary level, really understanding uh, for me, I have two kids that went through elementary school, and so you kind of got to know it as being a, an administrator on the outside, seeing what they're doing and getting to know those principles. But uh, but the whole reading aspect and like how important it is, and and for me, I just fell in love with, and I just I do it all the time. I tweet out pictures whenever I'm walking through classrooms, and I'm always amazed at the way an elementary teacher, you, you got to find, you got to find them in the class. And for me, they're, it's 99% female, but I got to find that teacher because she might be on the floor in a corner with two kids. And there will be seven kids over here in a circle and four more kids in a, on a table over here. And then five kids over here with their Chromebooks and then three in the hallway on their Chromebooks working on something. And just the whole aspect of centers just really does amaze me. And so for last year, my first year, I, I just, I just gushed over my teachers and what they were doing because it just really is incredible. The chaos that they're able to kind of work in and figure out and be as patient as can be when all of a sudden they finally try to get them back and try to do something in the front of the class. And you've got one of them tugging on your, on their, on their pants and saying, I need to go to the bathroom. Another one saying they're feeling sick and vomiting right in front of them. I mean, it really is an amazing, amazing thing. Kind of like with our own wives as mothers, you sit there and are, and are amazed at how great they are with the kids. And then you see it here with these truly caring people to try to help and support every individual wherever they are and get them to be successful later on. That sounds awesome. And uh, yeah, I love watching the centers. I, I hear you. Um, Marty, you know, you're very involved with your state organization, the MSAA. Uh, you guys hosted the National uh, Principals Conference last year. Boston was a great host. Tell me, how, how did you get involved with them and, and, you know, get going on your journey with that group? My first year, well, actually prior to that, uh, I was trying to find a program to, uh, I was in my eighth year of, ninth year of teaching and I really started to think people have been like, give me that little nudge of, uh, you know, leadership might be your thing. Maybe you want to go into administration. And I always thought, oh, I just love my classroom. I love being with my 150 kids, whatever it was, big classes of English juniors and freshmen. And I'm like, no, I love doing this. But it was, no, you can make that greater difference even with being an, an AP or then being a principal. And so I got kind of the bug and I started to think about it. And and then my buddy next door to me, Zach, I kind of talked him into doing the program with me. And it was through MS at the time, MSSAA, which was Secondary School Administrative Association, to get the uh, licensure and our second master's degree. And uh, so I kind of joined it then to see how great this program was. It was through a college, but it was also with working superintendents and principals that ran the leadership licensure program. And so they just 
really just sucked you in because they would show up and the and on the program was we're going to learn about culture and climate but all of a sudden the principal that's presenting just stood up there and he's like i'm going to talk you through the issue i had today i had the parent on the phone the newspaper here and then just talked us through and kind of ran us through this case study of what would you do as a future assistant principal principal and it was just so amazing and for them to talk about this building in franklin massachusetts houses the the association this is where we get together this is where we talk this is where we network this is where you can talk with people who are dealing with the same issues that you're dealing with you're not alone when you need help and support you can always reach out and at the time it was probably more email than anything but email them call them check in with them and say this is the problem i'm having and so msaa was great to kind of have all these local groups my own i was an assistant principal with a buddy of mine we would go to the south shore of, uh, of massachusetts underneath uh, boston there south shore ap group and we would meet with other assistant principals in the schools around us and like in our conference then we would go to the summer institute which was for msaa it's the kind of the flagship conference for us where it was put together by all the association they get some guest speakers in but for the most part all the sessions were run by principals assistant principals that were in in the state dealing with the same issues we were and so i just kind of latched on as this is who i want to be with this is who I want to help and support, not only get that help and support from others, but be able to give back. And so that first year I was an assistant principal, my principal's like, we're signing up for this. This is what we go to. We go to the conference in July and you're going to be able to share what you're doing, but also hear back from other schools, what's going on. And so that was what I did. And then five, six years ago, I uh, was getting really busy on Twitter and loving it so much. I was like, wow, I think we need to kind of start a chat to kind of keep people together that when we go to the conference or when we have these regional meetings, we then walk away and it's like, oh, I'd love to call this person or chat about this person, but it's so hard to get out of your building and like make time for that. But if, if maybe there was a set time once a month, we can have six questions talk about those six questions, discuss what we're doing, celebrate the things that are awesome. And uh, for the last three or four years, I've called in authors like yourself to uh, be tied to the book and connected to some of the things. So it's like a, a book study that we have once a month. And for me, it's forcing me to read a book every month uh, to, uh, to be ready to find the questions and search them out. And for books like yourself or, or the other books I've been able to do, the questions just pop right off the page. And it's like, oh, that would make a great discussion point to be able to kind of talk about. Yeah. And I was uh, fortunate in September to, oh, did that sound get kicking? Uh, I was fortunate in September to uh, be part of it. You did a great job. I had never done one before and you really supported me through it uh, and kind of I described it as I'm a Star Wars guy. You know, you're flying in the Millennium Falcon <laughs> when you're on Twitter. But then mm -hmm. when you go on a Twitter chat, it's like you're going to light speed. And it was a great experience. Got to connect with a lot of people in Massachusetts. So, uh, but you really did a nice job as the host. Yeah. Thank you.
Thank you. I, I really enjoy doing it. It's been like a labor of love. I mean, sometimes it gets kind of tough to pencil out that time, send out the 10,000 reminder tweets that I send out the day and the days before it, that, uh, that it's coming up. But I really do enjoy it. And the most amazing part about it is people talk about, OK, you have this PLN and you and you and you can reach out to these people. Every single author that I've reached out to to say, would you like to do this chat? It might sell your book. It might do this for your conference. It might do this. Every single one of them has been like, yes, I have never gotten a no. And every single person has been like, what month? Yep, I can do that month and jumped right in. And some people like Jimmy Casas was in in between flights in an airport and he was uh, engaged in the chat. Uh, Thomas C. Murray had just landed in, uh, in I think, New Orleans, and he was uh, he was getting ready to the chat. And it's it's that interaction and how great they are with it. And and I just find it amazing because I, there, it's not every day that you can just tweet or direct message uh, George Kuros and say, "Listen, I just finished your book. I'd love to be able to chat it, about it with people. Would you be willing to do it?" And they're like, "Sure." No problem. <laughs> I just find that amazing. And it's just one of those incredible things. And I love being able to personally meet people and say, hey, it's Marty. And then I remember I did your chat and it's just amazing. I just it really makes the world a tiny place and makes it really come alive that we are all in this together and we're all in this to help one another. That was certainly a great commercial for the PLN. And speaking <laughs> of PLN, uh, and a great author and a Twitter all-star, Jay Billy's watching, and uh, he gives a shout-out with the great uh, enunciation <laughs> there, Marty. <laughs> Thank you, Jay. Another yeah. great book. Another great person to meet. Absolutely. And Jay is uh, fantastic on Twitter. And his book, uh, Lead with Culture, is a bestseller. So, um, Marty, you've been at different levels of leadership you know, and, and good for you to have those different experiences. You know, what are some key points of leadership that you identify with that you, no matter what the level is, you're making sure you're doing these things, you know, what are some three or four things that really identify with leadership for you? I, I think it's relationships first. I, I really do believe in that. I know it's like a catchphrase, but it really does work is building those relationships with the kids, with your faculty, with your with the families, and just showing them that you care about them. Uh, I, I think that's huge. And building that trust from that relationship that uh, families will know that you care about their kids. Everything that you're doing is for their kids. Every kind of change you might be making is for their kids. Uh, I, I talk about it a bunch when I was at MSAA, that uh, that when you first show up at a school, all of a sudden the first PTO meeting, the first like school uh, site council meeting, improvement council, you got a bunch of parents that might show up because they're a little bit nervous. Of, Who is this crazy guy that's been doing this stuff online and Twitter and things like that? And what's he going to do? What's he going to change? And then I find it as though once they really know that you're there for their kids and for them, Sometimes the PTO meetings are lacking in people because they, they don't feel nervous anymore. They don't feel like they have to step in and do something. 
-hmm. it's kind of one of those catch 22s that we we really want some parent volunteers but in the end they're feeling good they trust you so they don't really have to have to do much uh, so I think that relationship is huge, building that trust so that they know that you're there for them. I, I try to get into my teacher's classrooms as often as possible. I try to tweet out and take pictures of uh, the, what, the work they're doing and celebrate it and show parents that this is some of the stuff that we're doing. If we just had an initiative to go one to one here, here's what we're doing with it. And it's not that we're always on the Chromebook. No, I'm tweeting out pictures of when kids are doing work collaboratively without their Chromebooks. So that's a worry that they might have had. Oh, man, we're going one to one. That means my kid's going to have screen time all day long. No, it doesn't. It just means that it was a tool that we needed. So being there and then being there for the faculty to see that I'm in there to help you and support you. It's not that gotcha situation. I'm not walking in just when I got to do an observation or official evaluation. No, I'm in there to kind of see what you're doing, be able to kind of know what you're doing so that I can also speak to it to parents. When a parent might call and say, listen, I, I don't know what's going on in my son's class here. I'll be able to talk to them about, listen, I was just in there the other day. I see what what Mrs. So-and-so is doing. I think it's amazing. This is what I even saw and be able to kind of speak to it in that way so that, that the teachers know that you are there for them. And that again, back to you're there for the kids as well. I think that's huge. Uh, I, I think that uh, kind of celebrating all those successes that we have is big, even the tiny successes that, uh, yeah, I'm walking through classes and I might not have seen something that I want to talk with that teacher and have a conversation about why did you do it that way? Maybe it could have been done this way. I still snap a picture that I thought was really good and tweet it out because it's great for maybe those parents then to have conversations with their kids about what did you do today? What did you learn today? And not get that typical answer that I got with my own two boys. Nothing. Nothing. I don't like school. Just boring. That, oh, well, at least I saw that you were doing some cool mystery science experiment. Uh, I don't know if Mr. Gagan was in the class that you, you were in that, that exact time, but I saw that you were doing that experiment today. How did that work out? So things like that. I think it really comes from relationships being first, and then everything kind of falls under that of the trust and and, and celebrating and really just shining a light of, of our brand, of what we are for kids. That's a great answer, Marty. Uh, if you're watching live, would love to uh, hear a question or comment from Marty or I. Um, and you're right about the importance of being in those classrooms because when someone does challenge you or someone does ask a question, you know firsthand. You're there, you see it, you touch it, you feel it, and you know it. Uh, so I agree with you. Marty, speaking of uh, relationships, um, you know, you shared a lot about your parents. I asked you about some mentors of yours in, in our pre-show work, and, and you shared a lot about your parents. You want to just talk about that a moment of what your parents meant to you and, and what they've given to you uh, in terms of your leadership? Sure. Uh, your accent brings me back to my parents because they were both uh, Bronx born and raised. Uh, Forget about it. They still got the uh, New York accent, and uh, they, they, they kind of like the Red Sox since I've lived up here, but uh, for the most part, they're still a Yankee Giants family. Um, but uh, 
Yeah, my dad was a was a steam fitter. Uh, worked his whole life, and uh, for most of my high school into college career, he was out of work just because of the uh, the way the building uh, was going at that time. And so uh, he he really just put in his life and soul into being a union member of the Steamfitters Association and was in New York for a while. He traveled back and forth to New York, to Connecticut, when they moved us out of the city into Connecticut when I was a young kid. And uh, one, I'm one of five Irish Catholic kids. And uh, so we grew up with that kind of hardworking attitude and spirit and just kind of working hard and knowing that nothing's ever handed to you and you need to uh, go out and get everything that you that you want. And uh, I was the first uh, in the family to go to college and graduate and get a master's and the whole, whole kind of nine yards in that way. But my parents were always there for me and they always kind of supported me. And it might not have been financially, it was just they were going to see it through. And I'll never forget that uh, I'm in my dorm my sophomore year. And my dad was realizing that I couldn't make all the money I needed to to pay for school. So he showed up and he called my dorm room. And I don't know how I was even there back in the day when your dorm room phone <laughs> rang. And uh, <laughs> and he and he said that uh, I'm over here at the uh, at the financial aid office and I'm talking to this woman, Sheila, and she really likes me. So get over here to sign some papers because I got <laughs> you some money. And, uh, <laughs> and he did that. He was he was one of those types of people that would do that. But he he, he was home because he wasn't in work. He wasn't working. And he eventually ended up taking a job as a maintenance worker for a, for a factory kind of building and he, he loved it and he worked until he was uh, I want to say 68 and uh, they they he said I need to I just want to work 30 hours a week instead of 40 and they're like no we love you we want you to be here and he's like but I can't keep doing this he's like just let me work 30 and eventually he, he, he retired but, uh, but yeah he's a hard worker my mom same thing just putting up with all five kids of us and, uh, and going through it. Uh, I think I just really learned the power of hard work and the power of, uh, uh, of just caring and supporting for your kids. Even when you can't give them everything, you give them what you can. That's great. I love to hear it. We've learned so many lessons from our parents and uh, uh, just love to hear school leaders talk about their parents and what they've done for them. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Marty, another big part of your life uh, has become running, uh, and it wasn't something early on, uh, but it's become a major part of your life and your wellness. Uh, why don't you tell us that story and, and how did running become part of your life and what are the benefits that you get from it? Yeah, as I said, with the Jimmy Fun Walk, uh, I, I started doing the walk 18 or close to 18 years ago, and I would uh, – go out and just train for it. And the first year I did it, it was like, ah, I'm in good shape. I'm 30 something. I'm like, I could do this. And, uh, oh boy, it was hard. 26.2 miles, Boston marathon route, not easy. And when they say heartbreak Hill on TV, it's really heartbreak Hills. It, it's, it crushes you. Uh, but, uh, so I, I did that walk and I realized I got to train harder. So I would go out for these, two hour walks and uh, our 
boys at the time were very young and I'm leaving my wife with the two kids after coming home from work to go out for a two hour walk. I think she might've thought I was going to a local establishment, but, uh, but just like walking so long is really, really tough. And, uh, so then I started thinking, well, if I maybe ran, I could at least get the training done a little bit quicker. So I started running instead of walking and that rolled into, I started doing some halves. I would then start doing a couple half uh, marathons, uh, one in the spring, one in the fall to get ready for the walk, as well as doing the walk every year. And coming up in in August, uh, right around my 50th birthday, I'm going to run my first marathon. So I'm um, looking wow. forward to that. So oh, man. It, it really has become something. It just really took off from doing doing the walk and, and walking 26.2 every year. Uh, for cancer and just being able to now roll it into, into, uh, into, let's see if I could do this marathon. I've walked it 18 times, but let's see if I could do one. I'm not doing the Boston, but I'll, I'm going to do, uh, it's called, I think, Greater New England. It's from Vermont, all downhill is what they say into Western Mass. So I'm looking I forward like, to it. I like the sound of that. All down <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll just pull me down the hill. <laughs> Well, good for you and, and 50th birthday and uh, doing that. And uh, that's great. Um, Marty, another initiative you got going on in your school, uh, and I like it and I want to hear about it, you know, Shadow of Student Day. Uh, you know, tell us tell us what that is all about. So uh, I think five years ago, uh, my buddy Brian McCann and I and a bunch of other Massachusetts principals went down to Florida for the NASSP down in Florida. Uh, I don't know if you were there. Andrew, but uh, Boston was my first gig. Uh, okay, so yeah. we were there. That was my first uh, national uh, conference, and uh, we were walking around, going to the egg camps and doing like all these things. And oh yeah, we're experienced at egg camps. Oh yeah, we've done this. We're wicked cool guys. We're on Twitter. <laughs> we do. Well, I run my own Twitter chat, and <laughs> next thing you know, uh, Dr. Neil Gupta like hands us a card he's like you guys ever shadow a student oh, shadow a student of course we could do that so we were like whatever that is let's figure that out and then we're like okay we shadow a kid like all day long so i go home and my two kids are in middle school at the time and they're like you're gonna stalk a kid all day dad that's so <laughs> weird that's cringe it's creepy. Uh, and I'm like, well, no, no, no. It's shadow them. Figure out how their day goes and really sit in a class, all classes, not just walk through and get up and go whenever you want. You're going to be like a student. And so I, I did that five years ago um, in middle school. I've done it three times in middle school. And then I presented on it last uh, October. And one of the people in the audience came up to me and was like, well, Marty, how are you going to do that as an elementary principal now? You're going to sit in one teacher's classroom all day long with that same kid? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's going to be a little bit different than a middle school class, switching classes and going to all different things. So I, I ended up breaking it up and doing five kids over the course of the day. And I'm actually doing it tomorrow. Uh, I have six kids lined up, three fourth graders, three fifth graders, uh, three boys, three girls. And uh, I'm going to get on the bus and get to their stop with their bus stop get on with them get come in and then i go from one kid to the next to the next and just throughout the day and uh, i've always kind of tweeted out pictures and it's shadow a student all one word 
and uh, it was school retool that used to do it, but their website looks like they might've stopped kind of uh, proposing it. So I don't know if there's no 2020 shadow of student, but I'm doing it anyway, cause I love it. And the kids love it. The kids think it's phenomenal. I'll be, I'll be in fourth grade lunch and then fourth grade recess and then fifth grade lunch and then fifth grade recess and, and bopping in between different classes. So it, it's just for, for the administrator and I've seen, I've had my assistant principals do it. I've seen uh, assistant superintendents and superintendents do it. We're just getting to know what it's like to be a student for, for a day and, and see what it feels like. And, and when it was presented to us uh, in Florida, it, the big reason was our kids sitting too long, our kids just uh, being bored. And what I noticed was, man, my kids move. They are trucking through the day. And I think we needed to actually slow things down. And I even noticed it last year in the elementary classes, in my fourth and fifth grade classes. We need to just peel it back a little bit because we're trying to get everything. And it probably affected my teachers that I was sitting there in there that they wanted to do their best lessons and have, have the best things kind of come across. But but it really seems as though we truck through things. And sometimes kids don't get a chance to take a breath and really think about what they're learning, be able to kind of sit. And I think especially when we're in a classroom as an administrator, I think sometimes teachers get a little bit nervous that they're not doing enough or the kids aren't doing enough or the kids aren't making things happen. And so I, I think for us as administrators to reflect upon that and tell our teachers, listen, I we're doing all right. Slow it down. We're doing we're doing well. We you're 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 going through everything. Let's let's just give these kids a chance to think about it and reflect. I love it. I did it last year and you inspired me to do it again. So we got some time to do that. Yeah. We are we are running out of time though, Marty. Uh, <laughs> let's let's get to rapid fire here. I okay. got the big PTA meeting here at six o'clock. So I gotta get back to school. Um last book you read. Uh, Collaborative Classroom by Trevor Muir. Uh, Twitter chat next Tuesday, MSA chat, 8 o'clock. Cool. Yeah, give the time of that, the chat and the hashtag eight, again. 8 o'clock, MSAA chat, uh, 8 o'clock Eastern time. Trevor Muir will be there. This will be his second time. He did it the first time with his book, uh, The Epic Classroom. He's phenomenal. His If you, didn't, if you haven't seen his YouTube channel, Check out his YouTube channel. He has so many great, quick YouTube channels that you could like pass out to faculty, start a faculty meeting, and a faculty meeting. Great stuff. Cool. Last movie you saw? Uh, Peanut Butter. Uh, oh, what the heck? The movie with the kid uh, and the wrestling. It was so good. Yeah. And it was definitely the last meaningful movie I saw. Uh, okay. When you start that question, I'm like, ah, I don't know what the last movie but the peanut butter dilemma or the peanut butter or something, but it, it really was good. <laughs> Favorite place to travel? Uh, Playa del Carmen, Mexico. Uh, we went there for our 20th anniversary uh, a few years ago with a couple different couples of friends of ours. And they all of a sudden roped us in that we've been going every year. So in two weeks, I will be in uh, Playa del Carmen again. Hopefully there's no coronavirus and we'll be able to go. Just different kinds of Corona. 
<laughs> for a different type of corona, exactly. <laughs> Ain't no Sam Adams down there. Uh, something that motivates uh, Marty Gagan. Um, I, I think I always want to help our kids, help our kids to succeed and make make school fun. We, we got to make school fun. My own two boys do very well in school. They're a senior and a junior. And, and I think just education and the want for learning has been driven out of them with the push to you got to get into a great college. You got to have great uh, academics, GPA and all the rest. And uh, they're both uh, my senior is taking AP classes, honors classes throughout high school, and he just doesn't know what to do because school's been kind of driven out of him. And it's just it, it really is sad. So he he's kind of at that point where he doesn't know whether he wants to go to college or whether he wants to go in the work world. We want to tell him take a gap year and just figure it out. Uh, but we live in a town that everyone goes to college. So he's really struggling with his own peers telling him that they think he, he's crazy for not going to college. Yeah, yeah, I hear you on that. Um, a pet peeve of yours, Marty? Uh, pet peeve? <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what would be a pet peeve. Um, I, I, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know okay. that one. <laughs> you like you have a great attitude, so not much bothers you. That's good. <laughs> Your wife, your wife and kids are lucky. <laughs> I'm sure they have some that they could pick up on me. Yeah. Best purchase under a hundred bucks that has had a great impact on your life. The Yeti. Uh, <laughs> I love the Yeti. I walk around with water all day long. I'm not a coffee drinker. I just drink water. So this has been, been my savior. I dump some ice in it the night before, fill it with water. And then throughout the day, the ice is still in there at the end of the day. I'm still drinking it. And then this little $5 handle has really worked out well to walk in the classrooms. And kids love it because I'm every time I walk through, I end up leaving it somewhere. And then they go to try to find me at put a classroom <laughs> in, uh, with my water bottle. That's great. Marty, you uh, you shared a nice story about UConn and your dad and the financial aid office. You met your wife there. Um you know, you happy that UConn's back in the Big East? Oh, my God. It's going to be the greatest. Uh, I That was so sad to see them leave the Big East. But uh, to see it back together will be amazing. To have the games against Villanova, PC, will be awesome. I mean, we still won't have the Boston College or Syracuse. But PC, Georgetown, oh, Villanova, it's going to be good stuff. Yeah. And Hurley's rolling. I think we're going to – I think we're getting back to the Calhoun years. What was the best, besides meeting your wife there, best experience at, at UConn in terms of, you know, uh, impacting your life? Uh, I will say I was a post-grad. So I went four years as an English major, graduated with an English degree, and then went back for the master's in education. And that first summer, they had us uh, as post-grad working with uh, – with a summer school. So they, we had some classes and then we had to do summer schools, like an internship kind of thing. And, uh, if you were secondary, you had to go to elementary. And if you were elementary, you had to go to the secondary. Summer school. So I had being like a future high school English teacher at the time were, was in a kindergarten class. And again, just like I talked about before the, uh, to see the finesse that kindergarten teachers can deal with stuff 
And I and I had a kid that all of a sudden I feel sick, like in parenthood, and just like vomited right in front of me, like all over everything. I stood there like a statue, not knowing anything to do. And the two women teachers that were in the room moved everybody, moved it, and I still just stood there with the vomit like up my feet. And they moved the kid. It was unbelievable to see everything. So that was one of those experiences that. <laughs> the masterful teachers that are at the elementary level was incredible. That's awesome. That's a great story. <laughs> the vomit, man. You got to be quick on your feet at the younger levels. Huh? I guess so. Yeah. And I wasn't. I was ready to be in an English class. And I go to the nurse. Sure. Go right ahead. That's so funny. Marty, uh, I believe we all have a book in us. What would be the title of your book? I, I think for me, it would be a. Uh, I always thought about writing something about leadership in terms that the the whole concept of it's not a sprint, it's a marathon and 26.2 ideas to kind of help you because that that would make it easier for me. It's like those hacking leadership or the hacking books that are like 10 hacks. I would do 26.2 different ideas on how to on how to uh, be a better principal and be a better uh, educator. That's all. That's a great idea. I'm going to challenge you as you're training for your marathon. Hey, yeah. every mile, every mile you run, you got about seven, eight, nine, ten minutes somewhere in there. Go ahead. Probably more you. like seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool, Marty. Uh, you mentioned about the marathon uh, coming up here, so I'll skip to you know what's a long term goal? Three to five years. Three to five years, uh, I'm loving the elementary level. As I said in the beginning, I, I respect so much you guys that do high school and secondary level, but uh, I am really adoring the elementary level, and I, and I love getting to know it. I, I tell my teachers all the time, I'm still getting to know this thing uh, and still trying to figure it out. And When I'm in there, I'm really asking questions of why they're doing certain things. I want to know why. And so... I I have fallen in love with it. I, there were times when I thought, okay, I'd go, I'd do this high school, I'd do middle school, and then I get some elementary background, and who knows, man, I'll jump into the assistant super super position because I have all this experience, all three levels. But I am just so loving it. The kids are so, so incredible. Um, as I said, I love kind of being in the classroom. I've been teaching classes once a month with every class. And just getting to know them has really been fun. So I see myself still in elementary in three to five years, but getting better at it. Cool. Great answer. Marty, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, I'm on Twitter all the time. M. Gagan with my last name, G-E-O-G-H-E-G-A-N 22. And uh, you can do it that way. I'm at Norton Public Schools. You can give me a call. You can shoot me an email. Uh, but uh, always on Twitter, DM me, tweet me, and I will get in touch back with you. Yeah, very inspirable, uh, inspire, inspiring, Marty, and just you're doing a lot of things. And uh, you know, thank you for sharing your story tonight. I thought you did a great job. Thank you, thank you, Andrew, for having me. I love talking about it. Cool, guys. Let's check out that MSAA chat uh, and support Marty in there. And uh, um, you know, let's follow what he had talked about today. And uh, Marty, really good luck with the marathon. We will certainly be in touch again. Yeah, and I saw Jay over there. What do I think about the Red Sox cheating? I didn't like it. Definitely didn't like it. It wasn't a positive moment for us. He's a big Yankee fan, so, yeah, they gave him a lot of fodder. Yeah. <laughs>
All right, we're going to sign off here on Education Leadership Beyond. Uh, Marty Gagan, everyone, check him out at Twitter, mgagan22. Uh, Marty, thanks so much, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Andrew. All right, we'll we're going to sign off. Take care, everyone. And, man.